Okay, thanks for joining us today on the American Hunting Podcast. Uh, my name is Sean, along with my uh, my pal Joel here, and we have a special guest today, Mr. Steve Kinker from Kinker's Taxidermy and Wildlife Art in Greensburg, Indiana. Welcome, Steve. Appreciate Thank you. you being here. Thank you very much. Uh, we've talked, this is our, I, I always get in the habit of mentioning, this is like our 14th, I think, podcast, and I think sometimes taxidermy is overlooked, you know, especially sure. in this kind of, these conversations. I know. Uh, I, I not only are is it overlooked. I think by the majority of hunters, they look at it as like, "Oh, I'll never have something I would want mounted, or I, I would be able to mount." Um, but yeah, I know you've done so. I've seen. I've been to your shop a couple of times, mm-hmm. and we were just yeah. talking before we started. We actually met um, on a lease that I had, and you were literally just driving by in your pickup truck one day. Yes, and stopped, and you know we visited like friendly people do yeah. in the country well like and 10 years ago yeah it's exactly. been it's been a while it's ago been yes. a little bit ago yes uh but yeah he was you know steve was just nice enough to stop and say yeah. hey guys and you know that's something on on all of our leases frankly i like to talk to the locals Absolutely. i prefer to meet them you know the ones next door but any of them yeah. hey if you see my truck down here three or four times and then all of a sudden you see a different truck or it's nice to have somebody, you know, some eyes on it. So sure. I appreciate that. But yeah, but we talked for a second and he said, uh, yeah, he said, I have a taxidermy shop up, up what are you, a half a mile from where yeah, we were? Yeah, it's not very far, not at, far all. at all. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. then I introduced a friend of ours to Steve and I think he's been taking bringing yeah. some pretty cool stuff to you. Absolutely. He kills big stuff. Yes. So. He, he keeps us, he <laughs> keeps us busy. <laughs> nice. Well, good deal. Well, Steve, yeah, why don't we start this way? Okay. Why don't we just tell us a little bit about your story. Uh, taxidermy okay. is not something that I think people – Get into right. without some a lot of thoughts. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, how'd you get into it? I uh, I got into taxidermy when I was about eight years old. Really? Uh, I grew up on a family farm down Decatur County, Indiana, around Greensburg, and I had seen a mount uh, that someone had, and something hit me, and I just felt like taxidermy is something I had to learn, even at that age. No kidding. Um, I had bought a course. In those days, actually, you didn't have the internet or anything like that. So they had a course in the back of, it was like for a fishing game or outdoor life for $15. Uh, I didn't have $15, so I saved my money and bought the course, and that's how my career in taxidermy started. Do you remember um, what it was you, that you saw? I think it was a red fox, man. Red fox. Yes. If it would have been a bad mount, would you felt the same way, or was it because it was good? Um possibly um it honestly i i something came over me and i thought this is something i had to learn and to this day i feel i was put here to be a tax service i really do so when did you know it was going to be your profession your your path in life well after i started practicing um through like junior high and high school and so forth it was always my dream to be my profession but i didn't know of anyone in indiana or around where we was at that can make a living at it. So, you know, being an 18-year-old kid, how do you make a living at something like this when you don't see anyone in front of you doing it? Right. So I had other jobs, you know, where I would work through the summer and stuff, then I would be laid off in the winter, and I would practice my taxidermy through the winter and spring. It's a good time to be laid off yes. taxidermist in the winter. Absolutely. Killing stuff. Absolutely. So then also, you know, after work picked up, Okay, how how do I get enough work to keep me busy year-round? Um, because in Indiana, you know, we have deer, we have turkeys and things like that. So uh, getting more big game from out west and then also then the, the African market. 
because their seasons are just the opposite of ours. How do you get game from out west? Are are there just Indiana guys that went out and hunted out west and brought theirs back? Mainly. Yeah, we get, get, uh, whether it's elk, mule deer, antelope, um, mountain lions from all over out west. We get stuff from from, uh, Alaska, British Columbia. Really? Yeah. But it's mostly Indiana guys. Mostly. That go in and bring it back. Mostly. Some of the stuff is shipped in. Uh, salt dried. When we when we get something in from out there, it's it, the skin is salt dried. Okay. So all we get is like antlers or horns, and then the skin is completely salt dried. Very yes. interesting. Yes. Yeah, I've I've noticed that, you know, in the industry or, well, leasing is a good example. But um, there's everything seems to be going with YouTube in particular, mm-hmm. DIY, do it yourself, do it yourself, mm-hmm. and and I'll you know, uh, full disclosure. 15, 20 years ago, I looked up, I, I thought taxidermy would be a great job. Mm-hmm. I was a fireman. Every, all firemen have part-time jobs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 90% of them are cutting grass. Yeah. Don't want to cut grass, bad allergies, yeah. just hate cutting grass. So I thought taxidermy would be ideal. Sure. And then, like probably most, I buy the the, the VHS cassette at the yeah. time, and it was yeah. a squirrel. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, you know, I watched the video. I'm like, I really don't have a dead squirrel around. I'm a cut grass. How quickly? Yeah. How yeah. quickly do you realize there's a skills gap there? You're like, oh, this is. <laughs> well, uh, honestly, this is hard. With this, uh, I took my uh, first deer that I wanted mounted to a guy in his garage. How many plate? You know, that's sure. got to be eighty percent of the industry. Sure. And he's like, I'm too busy, but if you want to do it right there, I'll show you as I do these how to do it. Okay, fine. And then you're in. I was really into it for the first couple nights. And then it's just every little pin, every little thing. Yeah. And I'm just like, let's just get this thing done. And and I've never tried it since. And that's yeah. what a great term. There is a talent gap or yeah. an ability gap there. And I think a lot of it's mental, frankly. I don't have it, the mental capacity yeah. to sit so long to make sure that it's perfect. That sound familiar? It does. I, I definitely have the patience for taxidermy, but there's other things in life that I do not have patience for. <laughs> so, Do you... Uh, do you feel anxiety about handling somebody? You know, this is this is your let's you know you do this every day, but this is this person's once in a lifetime bow hunt for the you know, and they trust you with that. That's got to you. I would feel a huge. There's burden. definitely a responsibility. Oh, absolutely, there. that's what drives me. Is that I, right? I thrive on that. If we get something in that I've never laid my hands on in my entire life, I will research that animal. Uh, completely and that's what drives me i i can't wait to get something that i've never laid my hands on really so so there are with something like that an animal you've never like you said had your hands on before there are have to be fundamentals i would assume Mm -hmm. in taxidermy that apply across the board absolutely and then you you take those and then you you know build on the style of whatever animal that you're dealing with at that time yes absolutely interesting yes that is interesting yeah is there anything i can do with my animal that that you can't fix. Um, Not just you, but most taxidermists. This, I mean, I would love for everybody listening to go to Kinker Taxidermy. I get that, but if you don't, you know, I can't. If my knife slips when I'm uh, field dressing a deer, I'm like, ah, oh, I just ruined the whole mount. That's not necessarily true. Is it? No, no. Um, knife cuts and things like that absolutely can be repaired to an extent. Um, Things that can't be repaired, let's say if, if someone's dragging their deer out and they wear the the hair down on the shoulders, things like that. The deer I have hanging in my office, yeah, 
Oh, we drug it. Sometimes you'll burn the tips off. Yeah. It, the hair won't come completely off, but you'll wear the tips off. Um, so e- even myself, one of those little blue tarps, mm-hmm. wrap the deer in, or the dra- you know a, an actual little drag or something you can lay the deer right. in. Things like that can't be repaired. Actually, makes it easier um, to drag too. Absolutely, Honestly. there's no resistance. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good information. Yeah. Now, kind of back to the DIY guys and mm-hmm. YouTube. I've I've fixed my dryer, my washer. I've fixed so much stuff. It's kind I just of, told you about my mower last night. Exactly, got a mower. So you know, there's so much information available. Has that has that hurt your business, or or do you are you busy fixing YouTube attempts at taxidermy? No, uh, it really hasn't affected our business. Um, I, I'm a firm believer good taxidermy is artwork, mm-hmm. and guys will find a, I'll call it a style, in taxidermy, and then they will continue to come to you. Um, but there are many, many good taxidermists out there. Um, taxidermy is all about being creative and also when we get into life-size pieces and even game heads not just buying a mannequin from a supplier and mounting it up for the customer it's doing you know resizing it to fit the skin changing the pose uh doing your own touch to it where it's a custom piece okay and that's where we i feel have been very successful as far as doing that in in taxidermy so here, here's this is the most frustrating thing I think most guys would would admit uh, a year. You know, yeah. I bring my deer in. It's well, you get it back in a year, and yeah. people just want. It. And I think that's what would drive them to the YouTube thing. Is like, wait a minute, maybe I could do this myself. Well, sure. yeah. Let me you know? I, let me back up a little sure. bit on that because that's kind of part of my question. Is mm-hmm. um, let's say I'm in a position this fall where I, I can get my first deer mounted. Mm-hmm. What do I what do I expect when I walk through the the doors of a taxidermy shop? What what am I? What questions should I be asking? What should I? Information should I be giving you? What's that process look like? And then on the back end, how you know how long does it take? Okay, white tail specifically. Sure, a deer. Yeah. Okay, white tail deer we will have out by the following season, because there there are so many white tail hunters, we will have them out by the following season. When we get into the larger stuff, the custom stuff, then yes, we're we are over a year. We can go into two years on some stuff. On, on life-size lions and, and different things like that with complete habitat. Um, when you're going to a taxidermy shop, for instance, with a deer, um, prior to going, I would go there before season, check out their work, um, ask them, you know, basically the turnaround time on it. Um, also, check out some reference uh, so you can kind of see the longevity of some of the mounts. Um, that, that's where I would start and definitely cost also. Sure. Um, but a a few hundred dollars in taxidermy can go a long ways as far as longevity. Yeah. So that, that's an interesting point. I never thought about the longevity of a, of a piece that you do is, should be a factor. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like what, what kind of, what are we talking about? What's it? So it looks good on day one and then maybe three years down the road, not so good. What would we look at? Are we looking at? I'll bet it's. I'll bet you pick it out easily, and where I just glance at it, I'm like, that looks fine to me. If if it is tanned properly, and it is kept in a uh, climate control, you know, so you have heat in the winter, you have air conditioning in the summer. I have pieces that have been mounted for 20 years, 
And the only difference is the dust obviously is hard on everything. Mm -hmm. But if you can clean them several times a year, uh, there should be no cracking. There should be nothing like that. What's the best way? How do you go about cleaning them out? Feather duster works good to go with the hair. Uh, Windex on a Q-tip, like for the eyes, nose, and things like that. Um, Definitely keep all your mounts out of sunlight, even sunlight coming through a window. window. So basically a trophy room with no windows is the best because sunlight will absolutely destroy hmm. anything. Is that right? Sunlight that's will, yes. I got mine in my basement. I should be good. Yes. Yeah. But at the same time, that's that's a good thought. Yes. Um, I did notice, I think it was on the, the deer that I've mounted, though, you can start to see a little of the of the uh, the mold. Okay, yeah. What's it called? It's not a mold. The mannequin. Yeah, the mannequin, mannequin. part. Mm-hmm. Uh, through the teeth. Yeah. Is that just the, the skin just kind of shrinking back? Yeah. And is that because it wasn't pinned correctly or wasn't obviously what mounted? Probably the tanning. Tanning, okay. a good tan and a good adhesive to hold the, the its leather once it's tanned right. to hold it in place. Okay. Yeah. So then, so that's a good question to ask somebody. How do you tan it? Yes. And what Absolutely. do we want and what do I not want? You would want... Uh, any today there are many good tans out there versus 10 years ago commercial tans the tan, the tanneries are great and they also have some tans that uh, guys can do in small shops and stuff i mean there there really are some great tans okay it's, no dry preservatives i i definitely wouldn't recommend dry preservatives um that's where you will get a tremendous amount of shrinkage you will get things pulling and things like that okay. which i don't know hardly any shops that would, would use something like that anymore but yeah. if you're you're asking around and a guy's Absolutely. like, you know, I'll do it for you. I do yes. it on my spare time. And I, we've got a good right. friend of ours that does that, and I've sure. seen his work, and it's really good. Right. He has him hang, those, yeah, yeah, he has them hanging around, hanging and here. I look mm-hmm. at it and go, mm-hmm. yeah. Sure. For what he would charge basically for material, sure. I'm like, that yeah. would be a great first one for me, only Absolutely. because, you know, I don't have one yet, and I want to start somewhere. Sure. So You didn't mount the yeah. one last year? No, it's a European mount. <laughs> <laughs> he killed a he killed a buck last Did year. Yeah, two years ago. Two, yeah. It was two years two ago. Two years ago. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, good. So, okay, now I'm going to ask him how do you tan this? Mm-hmm. You know, um, what else do I need to provide for them? You know, and I know some of this stuff, and I'm trying to you know ask you a little bit of a leading question, but I know there's some measurements. There's a way to 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 cut my deer to to remove the hide, and then. Temperature-wise, you said some of the stuff out west comes to you salted. Yes, it's so, already skinned out. Okay, it, for and me it's to salt brine. And bring uh, it to you that way. A white tail. <clears throat> excuse me, a white tail. I would not. Okay. What I w- if you can't get it to the taxidermist right away, um, as long as it's just the head, go ahead and freeze it. You can freeze it if you can't get to us right away. The whole head. <clears throat> yes. Okay. Yeah. The only reason we get stuff salt dried from out west. Um, it's such a long ways to travel sure. with things like that. Um, but white-tailed deer, um, if you can't get it to a taxidermist right away, I would freeze freeze it is what I would do. Okay. And another thing with freezing it um, anymore, a lot of these deer are loaded with ticks. And freezing it for at least a week will kill the ticks is what it'll do. Okay. Hmm. Yes. Well, yeah, we, we might have to. Before you leave, let's only get into that tick conversation. Yes, it is. It might be as a bigger problem than I think a lot of people think. It, I will guarantee it it is, yes. All right, we'll circle back to the ticks. Yes. <laughs> I'll finish up here. Um, 
So if somebody's listening and they are new, I, I measure the circumference of the neck. Yeah, the, give that to you. The tax the tax dermis will do that. Okay. Okay. The measurements I like to take um, are on the carcass. I don't take many measurements over the hair because over the hair is not an accurate measurement. Oh, interesting. So once I skin the cape off of the head, I will take measurements on the carcass. And how much is it? So I need to bring you the uh, neck about uh, eight to ten inches of neck. Okay. And then I will take the measurements off of that, and then I will also take them off the head, and then I will I will also take them from like the tip of the nose to the antler burrs, and the tip of the nose to the antler or to the main bean tips, so I get the antlers back on properly. And that's just so you can more <coughs> closely replicate the way the deer exactly works. how it was. Yes. And can you order? Most mannequins come. I mean, you can custom order these mannequins like mm-hmm. that, or do you modify the mannequin when you get it? Most of the white tail we can buy what we need because there are so many whitetail mannequins on the market today. Um, there's literally thousands of whitetail mannequins compared to some species we work with where there might be only one or two mannequins or there may be no mannequins. So then we have to build them. But whitetail hunting is so popular across the entire nation. That's the reason they, they have made so many mannequins for them. Yeah, I think some guys probably get a little frustrated <clears throat> with the amount of attention the whitetails get, um, you know, especially waterfowl guys, you know. But the f- it, the fact is, the whitetails just drive this industry. It, it, it does. It, it just, really does. Do. And you know, that's where the dollars are. It's where the hunters are. That's right. All, it, it's just gonna go that way. We try to do our best to yeah. really include waterfowlers in particular because yeah. we've both trying to get into it a little sure. bit. Sure. It's it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you do you do much waterfowl? Do you do birds? I, I used to. Yeah. I used. I don't anymore. Um, do you turn it away because you just... I do. We we have so many other projects going on. Um, something had to give. So fish yeah. and, and waterfowl and so forth had to give. So who knows? Someday I might get back into it. Yeah, it makes sense. But, okay, so let's go back to the two years thing sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mounting a line doesn't take two years. No. But it's got to wait in line. Is that pretty much what it is just for you to yeah. get to it? Designing the whole piece. Uh, so in other words, I will get with a client. We will check the space in his home or in or in his game room where he wants to put it, uh, exactly where it wants to go, ceiling height, door size, everything. And then we will completely design a custom piece is what we will do. Uh, so do whether, yeah, so whether we're building rocks for it, um, custom poses, the whole nine yards. I feel like the two-year thing could be frustrating, but at the same time, if you're getting a 100% custom piece yeah. and there is a two-year wait anyways, you know you're dealing with a guy yeah. who's legitimate. Right. People want his yeah. work done. So I think the payoff is, is probably worth it. Oh, and, and we don't do two of them the same. It's, no, it's going to be. I would like that a lot. It cool. will be a one-of-a-kind piece. We will do some similar, but we are going to change something to where your piece is one-of-a-kind. Tell yes. me a little bit about your staff. It's, I mean, you're doing yeah. design work and, and going to people's homes and who, you know, what you got, 10, 11 people? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> no. Just you? Myself and my wife. Yes. No kidding. Wow. Yes. Taxidermy is a strange business. Um, Steve and I had talked about this to where you can't just hire somebody off the street to come in and do taxidermy. Taxidermy is an art and when you have someone come in to do that, you're changing your artwork completely. Yes, they can do certain things. They can, you know, sand mannequins, prep skins, and things like that. Um, 
it's one of the few businesses that is like that to where when you start bringing people in, you've, you've changed the artwork is what you've done. Yeah. If you look at yourself as an artist, obviously you do. And I've seen your work. I would, that's a fair description. Um, I can understand that. It makes sense. But my gosh, then, then at some point you're having to flesh the hides and, or your wife is, um, yeah, that's, it's just, that's very interesting. There's certain things we can. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'm a sculptor. I'm a fabricator. I'm a painter. Uh, you name it. Have you it's, ever have, have you ever you know played with the idea of of expanding and hiring a staff and trying to dish out some of those responsibilities to to a group of people? Some of it, yes. Some some of the duties, yes, yes. Some of the some minor you have to take on yourself. Yes, right? some of the minor things. Uh, and we we've had some people in the shop that helped out, and they did a fine job. They really did. Um, it's a fine line on what all you can let them do. It yeah. really is. Yeah. That probably ties um, back into feeling the weight of the burden of, sure. somebody, of taking on somebody's pride and joy. Yeah, and you come with, with a grizzly or a you know four hundred fifty pound black bear. Yes, and you let some you know quote unquote kid from high school in an evening yeah. ruin no, a hide. No, like, oh boy, no, yeah, that's a tough one. Well, I even get it on a smaller level at work. It's, there are certain things where I'm just like I'd rather just do it mm-hmm. because then I know if some if anything Correct. goes wrong for whatever reason. Anything yeah. goes wrong for whatever reason, no one else has to. That, that's my responsibility, sure. and, and you know, no one else has to take the blame Absolutely. for that. So I one hundred percent can can relate to that. Yeah, because yeah, you know we've done you know life size stone sheep, life size desert bighorn sheep, life size brown bears. So these guys have waited their entire life to hunt some of these things and have a huge investment in them. Sure. They want us. They want me working on. What is that? What's what is that feeling like when a guy gets like that once in a lifetime sheep hunt, and and you deliver that final product? What is that like for you? I can imagine what it's like like for him. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's the next best thing to hunting it yourself. Really? Yes. Wow. I I got goosebumps right now. Honestly, it is. It is. That's cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, it'd be fantastic. Yeah. It's a way to yeah. be involved. When exactly. You, you know, most of us hunt during hunting season. Maybe we hang some stands. We're going to go to that later today. Yeah. But it's a way to be yes. involved when you're not really involved. Yeah. That, uh, use the sheep as the example, right? When anyone goes to that guy's game room in mm-hmm. his house and they see, they're going to say, that's awesome. That looks yeah. great. Mm-hmm. He He's never, g- your end product is what is going to live on the rest exactly. of the time. Yes. And he, someone will be like, man, who did that? He's going to be like, oh, I don't remember. Yeah. Like you're part of that story. Yes. You're part, and you, you cannot be separated from it. I think that's just so that's fascinating. That's a great thought. Yeah. I'd say that's, a, that's a fantastic yeah. point. It really I, is. I had a gentleman two years ago. Uh, he went on his first sheep hunt. He, he owned his own business his entire life. He sold his business and he was right at late 60s, early 70s. So he never got to do much hunting his whole life because he owned his own business, is working all the time. And so he, he wanted to kill sheep. He booked a stone sheep hunt, and he went up to British Columbia. He got his stone sheep, and he said, Steve, he said he shot the sheep, and he said he just broke down crying. He said he was so emotional. Yeah. And with him telling me all this and then me getting the job to mount it for him, I, I could just relate to him. With what all he was going through, where he can look at it every day. Absolutely, your play. Yeah, that's, it, it's. I mean, it's, it's I, so. I hate to say it, but it's almost more you than almost the animal. Honestly, I mean, it, it's a lot of of Steve Kinker in yeah. that mount. Yeah, 
it's almost and if, if even something small is wrong yeah you know they're gonna know that's oh, gonna absolutely. be the thing they go to every time when they 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 won't be able to not see it absolutely now, i'm not trying to add any more pressure to your no, job but no, it's it, the more i think about it it's a it's a it's a responsibility you absolutely. picked a, you have a heavy career choice yeah. here do you but try to work away I mean, I'm oh, just, yes. I'm just oh, thinking, yes. I mean, I, yes. even big sheep, I mean, even the, that kind of stuff, yes. I, I'm thinking if it's just you and your wife and you're telling me you're almost, you know, you're, you're saying I'll get your deer done by the end, by the next season. And then some guys come in with, you know, all kind of stuff. Yeah. There's gotta be sorry. Guys. Absolutely. We, we turn on a, a lot of work away. Um, I guess I'm later in my career where I'm starting to do more of what I want and where my passion is at. Amen. That's the reason why I, I'm not doing fish. I'm not doing the birds and things like that. Um, I like customers that appreciate the hard work and, and the quality that we put into it to where I can really relate to them. I want that. I want that combination right there. Yeah. The relationship. A lot of repeat customers. Oh yeah. 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 Absolutely. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it seems like you're in a you're in a market where, you know, I'm sure you can charge whatever you probably want to charge. Well, it we have to charge enough, obviously, to 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 keep the business going. Sure. Um, and there's always someone that that is going to offer to do it cheaper, mm-hmm. but it's the the custom work. I think that really where we have a, a strong following. I really do. Awesome. Yeah. We, we, you mentioned going to somebody's house mm-hmm. and, and, you know, looking at their, where they're going to uh, display it. Mm-hmm. Um, if I recall, when I was in your shop a few years ago, you, there was a picture there of you uh, doing a giraffe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about that story about where that person was yeah. going to keep his giraffe? <laughs> yes. And how kind of house you, was that? I think you were up on a ladder. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, just walk us through that kind of beginning to end, really. Just uh, how did they, I guess they just took the hide off like anything else. Yeah. That was, that draft was taken in Africa in 08 um, by by a lady. Her and her husband was over in Africa hunting with us. Um, and actually it was going to be a shoulder mount, but still the shoulder mount was, I think, about 12 feet is what it was. <laughs> okay. Um and obviously when they take something like that in Africa before they hunt a giraffe, when they take it on the spot, the community comes in and they, they butcher the whole thing right there. So I want to get that out there right away that right. nothing is wasted. Okay. I mean, they clean everything, the organs, they clean everything. There's nothing wasted at all. Um, she got the giraffe. We got it back from the tanner. We get all of our measurements and so forth that we needed. And then we basically just designed a piece for their their trophy room. Um, we built a tree that went in behind an acacia tree with all the leaves and thorns and stuff on it. So the draft is kind of like up in the canopy of the, the tree where it would be feeding. Yeah. Um, and then we had to build the whole thing so everything breaks down into smaller pieces to go through a 36-inch door. So, wow. <clears throat> excuse yeah. me. So that's the tough thing at times when you do big pieces they still have to go through certain size doors so then we just do it's like the most realistic complex lego yeah set that's what i would forget <laughs> yeah. though i'd put eight months into doing this giraffe and get to the house and get it through the door. it's got to go down in the basement yeah and turn yeah, yeah, and turn. yeah. yeah that's yeah. difficult 
Yeah. Well, that's that's interesting. Had you ever done a draft, and have you done one since? Uh, no, no, I have never <clears throat> had never done one, and that is uh, the last one. Is that the the most interesting piece you've ever done, or in your opinion, what is what's the one you look back and go that was that was the coolest one, the most challenging one, whatever? What, well, what's memorable question. to you? That is a good question. Uh, that was definitely right up there. There's, I don't know if there's any that'll take the lead just yet, but uh, some of the sheep in mountain goats and things like that, brown bears, leopard, leopard is probably right there. Really cool. Yeah. yeah. I want to circle back a little bit. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I want to circle back a little bit when you were telling your draft story. You, mm-hmm. you said uh, a lady and her husband, you mm-hmm. said we were out there hunting in Africa. Yes. Tell me a little bit about that. We ha- we was over there with a group in South Africa in 2008. That's the first time I'd went to Africa. Um, we had taken a lot of planes game. Uh, she had taken a giraffe also. Um, and that's just something that since 08, I've been going back almost every year with clients, uh, hunting planes game and then some of the dangerous game too, buffalo awesome. and croc and lion, leopard. A lot, of, a lot different uh, than North America, I'd assume. Yes, it yeah. is. Is Croc in the Big Five? No. Okay, no. I didn't think yeah. so. Yeah. And what's the Big Five, just for people that are listening and don't know what I'm talking for about? For me. What's the okay. Big Five? And for Joel. So the Big Five are the five the dangerous animals yeah. in Africa, yeah. and they are? The elephant, the lion, the leopard, the buffalo, and I believe it's the hippo, I think. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I think you're right. So, yeah. yeah. That's the Big Five. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Have you done, have you done some Crocs? Yeah. Some, I'll mm-hmm. bet you, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It's just cool stuff. Yeah. This is just one of those things. It's like, I mean, if you're, you know, for our listeners, our viewers, I think by now you figure out Steve doesn't just do whitetail and turkey. Right. You know, yeah. this is this is the real deal. So yeah, it, uh, Africa is, is, uh, extremely interesting. Now, you know, <laughs> you don't just go to Africa anymore. You're not just, just a hunter, right? Correct. You're, you know, lay it out there. Let's say if, yeah. if somebody, um, just a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. um, you know, our friend Steve, He's been out a couple of times, mm-hmm. uh, and a couple of years ago, and we talk about our evolution as whatever as sportsmen and all that kind of stuff a lot. I didn't. I was like, I, it doesn't. It doesn't do anything for me. I mm-hmm. really don't want to go there, and I don't know why I can justify this in my head. Like the deer here are a nuisance. Mm-hmm. I have a problem killing them. I mean, the turkeys aren't. <laughs> so, and I, I don't mind that. The the geese they're a nuisance. To fly that far to Africa mm-hmm. a few years ago, I thought, eh, whatever. I would love to go with just a camera, you know, just because I do want to just see it. And you guys just got back from right. another successful trip. Yeah. And I'm like, eh, that seems pretty cool. Now I'm like yeah. kind of leaning towards, I think I do kind of want to try yeah. that sometime. Um, but yeah, what is your affiliation with, you know, setting up trips for those mm-hmm. people who, again, might not think it's in the cards for them, but eh, maybe it is, you know, yep. just walk us through what you can arrange okay. and what the, what's it cost from the time I go to the Indianapolis airport or mm-hmm. any airport, the time I get back, mm-hmm. what's that going to run me? Okay. Um, when I went in 08, I realized when I was there and I was thinking about it prior to going that Africa would work into our taxidermy business. Great. Because their seasons are just the opposite of ours here. So, uh, right now we're basically early June, you know, going into summer, they're just going into winter. So there's not a lot you can hunt here in North America in April, May, June, July, right. August. So it's a great filler from hunting here in North America, let's say whitetail and stuff in the fall or big game out West in the fall. 
you can go over there in our summer here in North America and hit their season dead on in the winter and hunt um, all kinds of planes game. Um, and as you get more experienced, maybe get into some of the dangerous game and so forth. Um, but what I do, I have been hunting with the same uh, people over there since 08, Mabuyu Safaris. And we have taken hundreds of animals over the, the past 11 years. Uh, when someone is interested in Africa, what we will do is get with them and kind of see what type of types of animals they're interested in. And then I will talk to, uh, HP with Mabuyu Safaris and get a price and we'll do some negotiating on price and animals and things like that and get somewhat of a package to start with is what we'll do. Now, once we get over there, the package package can change whether they don't want to take an animal or they want to take something different. We also use another company that sets up all of our airfare. If you are taking rifles, they will take care of gun permits. Um, they will meet and greet us at the Johannesburg airport. So we have a representative with us at all times. So it is 100% safe. Okay. That's a good point. Um, we also have a company that sees all of our importation out of Chicago. So basically, when someone one wants to hunt Africa with us, we have ourselves and other companies all in place to take care of basically everything is what we will do. And they start the call starts with you. Yeah. Yes. Well, what what give me a package you would mm -hmm. recommend for somebody that you know white Midwestern guy? Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, my firefighter. Sure. Good call. Sure. <laughs> yeah, but somebody's got some. They they want to. And this is a one trip time. This is a one yes. time. This is a yes. once in a lifetime. What? Give me the three to five animals that you would really recommend they they okay. focus on. Uh, definitely kudu, impala, um, gamsbuck, okay. maybe a zebra. People like zebra. Personally, I can't leave Africa without shooting a warthog. No. I, I've shot. Probably fifteen warthogs, but I, I can never get enough warthogs. Now, are they like coyotes over there? I mean, are they kind of there's a, a problem? Lot. There's yeah, there's a lot, and everyone's different. The, and this is a game grow. rich environment. Oh you my don't gosh. Just shut out! You don't go sit no. blind. Like, I didn't see anything today. Yeah, yeah, that won't happen. Okay. That's not going to happen. Um, actually, last year we had a young man that had wanted to hunt Africa ever since he was a little kid. He graduated high school last year, and he'd saved his money since he was a little kid, and he hunted Africa with us. Wyatt, I think his package was about six or seven thousand, and that does not include airfare. Okay, so we've had packages of probably five to six thousand on up into the twenty some thousand dollar range or or more. Africa, it it's basically what your budget will allow mm -hmm. as far as the um, the number of animals that you want to take. Um, so we like to start with, okay, I would like maybe you know the kudu, the impala, the warthog, things like that. And then we'll kind of build from there is what we can do to keep it within your budget. So Interesting. Yeah. So for $10,000, mm -hmm. I could have a hell of a hunt. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And now you start looking at a whitetail hunt in Missouri for five days is mm -hmm. half that. Yes. Yeah. Five, you know, six thousand And you're doing months. that, yeah. Yes. So, But you can fly to Africa. And Completely have, different experience. And yeah. with, with the planes game, um, you, for that cost, you will 
have an opportunity at the animal. Obviously, if you wound the animal, you still pay for it. Right. Sure. Okay. Sure. So in other words, you know, I've been on hunts out west and so forth. And I, uh, let's say I book an elk hunt or a mule deer hunt. I may not get the animal, but I still pay that cost. Africa is not like that. Now, if you wound it, yes. Um, and that's something we can always talk about. You always encourage people. You know, the question always is, you know, Steve, how, how far, you know, can I expect to shoot and so forth? Rifle hunting, you, you shoot what you're comfortable with. You do not take a shot you are not comfortable with. So you don't have a guide saying, take it. You take it, take it, because well, he, I'm going to get a bigger, you know. He, he might be saying, okay, you know, he, he's in range, but if you're not comfortable taking the shot, don't take it. Do, do you not get, take it. Do you get clients that book an Africa trip but really don't have much hunting experience outside of that? Is that common or not? I have had some, yes. Yes. Interesting. Yes. I wonder what would make someone that, that's – they want to dip their toe into hunting, and that's yes. that's the trip they make. Seems interesting that to me. Possible, and it you know it's um, we could probably do a podcast just on on, on that, that because <laughs> you know, for instance, if you're rifle hunting um, prior to the safari, you've already discussed with the PH what the expectations are and what you're you're looking for. You know, a good representative of the of the species. Um, so, in other words, when you're you're stalking through the bush and the pH puts the sticks down to shoot off of, you get on the sticks in, you know, 10 seconds, let's say. So that's one thing that a person really needs to practice at home. Put the sticks down, get on it, take your shot. Don't take 30 seconds, 40 seconds, a minute to take the shot. Because I've seen that happen, and I've seen a lot of game. I even feel, I feel like in certain scenarios, you just think about, like if we were to sit in silence here, for 10 seconds, mm-hmm. it would seem like an eternity, but with your adrenaline pumping and getting the sticks down yes. and aiming on this animal, it's probably got, it's got to go like that. I would yeah. assume. Now, you know what I want to do? I just want to stalk through the bush. Oh, <laughs> can you, once if I was actually, we're creeping through some stuff. That's probably when I'd be like, Oh crap, I'm in Africa yeah. stalking through the bush. Yes. This is actually happening. Yes. Here's something I've seen though. And, and ex- please explain this. The guide has the sticks, mm-hmm. and the guide puts the sticks down and says, there you go, shoot. Mm-hmm. In my in Midwest mentality, I'm like, hey, I can do that myself. I don't need anybody to hold my gun or anything like that. But why is it important for, for them to do that, for, for that role to be somebody other than you? Are you focused more on the animal? or They want you to focus completely on the shot. And I, I can't stress enough for for anyone that's going to Africa, and if you're going with rifle, to practice shooting off of sticks. Putting, having someone put the sticks down, get on the sticks, lean them back, and then lean into the sticks and squeeze around off at your target. Practice how you play. Practice. That's, yeah, that's great advice yes. because they're, they're, they're difficult. Uh, yes. Like even a monopod. Oh, absolutely. I've had a monopod. Yes. You see it on TV, and you're like, oh, that'd be easy. And when you do it, I mean, that thing is weird. all over the place. Absolutely. So, yeah, great advice. Yep. Practice. And what happens in Africa lots of times, whether it's the grass or the bush, it's so high you can't sit down get into a prone position to shoot or anything like that. So that is one reason why they do uh, use the sticks a lot in Africa. Danger. So, tell, tell me about the danger of actually hunting out there. Are you in any kind of peril when you're walking around? I mean, listen, you're, I mean, there are rhinos and lions out mm-hmm. there. Yep. I'm assuming there's some level of danger, much more than here, but Absolutely. do you feel it? Do you feel like... Has your guide ever had to say, whoa, Steve, whoa, 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 back out here. No. You know, they're going to charge or nothing? No, we, we was hunting buffalo um, one year, and, and we, we kind of skirted the herd. They was going along the, the hillside, and we kept the wind in our favor, and we got up into some bush. 
And instead of them continuing to go the same direction that they were, they decided to turn the lead cow and come right towards us. And I was actually running the camera and I, you know, just kind of got a weird look on my face and looked over at HP and I'm like, I was thinking the same thing he was. And he, you know, he just said, this isn't a time to be a hero. We just kind of picked up and got out, called the hunt. That's the story I'm looking for. You know, <laughs> that's um, what I want. And we ended up a few days later getting a, a good bowl for the client. But you, if your tracker and your pH is going walking on the right side around the bush, you're not going to be going on the left side of the bush. You're aware of your surroundings. pH. You mentioned pH a couple of times. That's yes. a professional hunter, Professional right? hunter. And I say HP. That's my pH's name. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Hendrix. Okay. So HP is a pH? Yes. Interesting. It's, it's <laughs> Hendrix, Petrius, so forth and so on. We call him HP. So, yes. Okay. But I, I've been hunting with him for 11 years. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's, there's the usual stuff. I mean, there's the bugs, the spiders, the snakes. Um, but... You, you, you're not out there to lollygag around. You're aware of your surroundings at all times, and then and you won't have any problems. And I think some of it's free range. Some of it's in Absolutely. a giant pen. You know, they're, yes. they're under 45,000 acres. Yes. Okay, so yeah. it's pretty much. It, it's, it's enormous, yes. And yeah. I know some people think, okay, it's, it's high fence and so forth. Um, kind of the way I look at it, um, here in Indiana, let's say uh, – was it Big Oaks mm-hmm. down here? You know, people love to deer hunt it. it it's really no difference. There's that's, that's a military former military base. Mm-hmm. And it's fifty thousand acres. It's fifty thousand acres. We were out there this year. Yeah, mm-hmm. wonderful, oh, yeah. wonderful place. Um, with the fence in a lot of the African properties, they can maintain the quality of the animals. Um, obviously, the fences do not pertain to whether it's it's uh, elephant or leopard or Warthogs. I mean, a fence doesn't stop anything like that. Right. Um, they can maintain the quality of the kudu and in the gemsbuck and and things like that. Okay. You go to some of the countries that aren't fenced, and uh, the game is just almost non-existent. It's been poached out. Oh, is that right? Wow. Yes. Yeah, that's the other thing they can control yes. who's in there. Typically. Yes. So absolutely. Well, I don't know if. Um, you know, an Africa hunt's not in the cards for everybody. Sure, and sure. And they might not be into it. That's fine, too. Absolutely. Um, but if you think it might be something, absolutely, they need to get a hold of you at, at, yep. at, at the shop. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have a website? Are you on Facebook? I'm I on Facebook. I know you're on Facebook. Yeah. Just Steve Kinker on, on Facebook. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, and yeah, give him a call. Yeah, we'll post we'll post links. In yeah, the we'll, we'll do all that. Also. And, and we're not quite yeah. done yet, but I mean, mm-hmm. uh, we know a couple of your clients, mm-hmm. and we've seen pictures of big cats and, mm-hmm. and some of the really and heard the stories of cool uh, stories, really just yeah. of, of mm-hmm. the, what they've done. Accommodations are great. Meals are fantastic. Oh, yes. All included. Yes. You know, this isn't uh, this isn't a fly by night. You're not. You no, know, it's not naked and afraid. Yeah, there no. were there were some no, no, WhatsApp no. messages saying I'm really roughing it out here in Africa, yeah. and it's like a <laughs> yeah. Going, dude, that's a freaking five several, star hotel. Yeah, several of these places. Um, I my wife actually went with me in 08, and I would not be afraid to take my wife uh, on on these other places. You know, the meals, the accommodations. Is um, there a cost for a non hunter partner? There non-hunter? usually is. Um, and it depends on packages. Sometimes, depending on what it is, there will be a cost. Other times, they'll they'll say, "Okay, let, let's let the the spouses come for free" or something like that. So that is kind of negotiable at, at, 
I like times. that. Cool. So we're going to Disney in a few weeks, me know, and my wife. We'd rather take that her up to Africa. With a Namibia. Yeah, <laughs> there Africa, you safari go. There trip. you go. She'd probably be up for that. Um, <laughs> interesting. What's the flight like? It's long. <laughs> 16, 17 hours? Yes. Yeah. You do yeah. want a plane for that long. Dude. A lot of sleeping? Or? It's, uh, <clears throat> I always say it's like sitting in a tree stand. You don't look at your watch. And I'll watch some movies and try to sleep and things like that. But yes, it is long from Atlanta to Joburg. It's, I don't know, 16, 17 well, hours. Well, if you're going out of Hartsfield in Atlanta, then that's probably a five-hour delay yeah. part as part of that. So, so. Um, yeah, I always, I've been to Tokyo a couple of <laughs> times and... and so a friend of mine had the greatest quote, and I always remember it. He's like, we're getting ready to get on this plane. He goes, I could take an Ambien and sleep for eight hours, and when I wake up, I still have eight hours to go. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah that is, that's, that's brutal. Rough. Yeah. It's a long one. Yeah. I know that. But, it but is. it's, you know, again, they keep you comfortable. It yeah. is what it is. My gosh. Yeah. They did 20 years ago. They didn't have iPads and movies. Absolutely. And, and the stuff, reward so. at the end of that That's of what you look at. You, you look at, okay, I'm going to be in Africa here for a week or so and in uh, – I know, I know what the reward's going to be. So, yeah, pretty cool. Well, before we get to our yeah. tail of tape, let's circle back mm-hmm. and talk real quick about the ticks. Mm-hmm. Um, you're Midwest, or you, for the most part, you're you're um, you're concerned about ticks and, and the deer ticks mm-hmm. on the deer herd. Yes, explain a little bit about your your thoughts on that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Probably 15 years ago, in our shop, very rarely would we ever see ticks on on white-tailed deer. Now, I would say probably 90% of the deer that come in are infested with ticks. And, and, and I'm talking just the cape for like a shoulder mount, literally have hundreds if not thousands of ticks on them. And most hunters do not know that until you start raising up the hair and really inspecting them, and then you can see all these ticks. Um, and the scary thing is when you see little kids carrying the deer in and things like that and holding it and so forth. And some of these ticks are the size of pinheads. They're that tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got two good friends that have gotten Lyme disease. Um, they, there needs to be something put out there like this to make people aware of the dangers with these ticks on these deer. Um, I know that there are minerals that you can put out on your private property that repels ticks from deer, and we have been using it for probably five years now, and I know it works, and I would highly recommend recommend it. Mention the name. Uh, it's Whitetail XTC, Okay. and it does work. Whitetail XTC, interesting. Yes. Is it a product of, are there more ticks? Are they just yes. finding deer more? I mean, what's the... There, there's, more, there's more ticks. Obviously, we're having warmer winters. Um when I take a cape off of a deer and it has ticks on it, I will place it in a freezer. The freezer is set on zero. If I take the cape out of the freezer in less than four days, the ticks are still alive. That's crazy. So what do we have this winter? A few days a below handful. zero. Yeah. You know, and, and I had I had a uh, a gentleman in the shop that was, I'll put it this way, highly educated. It works for the the state. And I brought up the, the tick situation. And he said, oh, we should be good, Steve. He said, we're supposed to have a killing frost this coming weekend. I, I just ended the conversation right there. Yeah. yeah. People, a, a few days in the 20s or even below zero isn't killing the ticks. 
So what do so, we do? I mean, do you, do you, I mean, and not maybe. I'm not saying you need to come up with an answer, but it's a problem. So it's a huge problem. So your point for mentioning this really is when you're doing the grip and grin, and you got the kids oh. out with you, and all that kind of stuff. You need to be really absolutely. You need to pay attention. What you're yes. going to go straight in the shower, all that kind of stuff. I hate ticks. Yes, I. Abs- I mean, I. It's a thing with yes. me. It's why probably one of the reasons I don't love to turkey hunt, although yep. I'm getting a little better. But yeah, we're going out today, and I mean, the last thing when I left the house today was wait, do I, I have got my, my spray? spray? Yeah, absolutely, and, and we do. So, yeah, does that affect the quality of, of the taxidermy itself in the long absolutely. run? Absolutely, it can. Absolutely, if if you see your deer, and if it has ticks, ninety nine percent of the time in the brisket area, mm-hmm. the hairs are all going to be busted in the brisket area. So the deer has been rubbing. And where it can reach, it's also biting the ticks off. And if it can't reach them, another deer will be biting them off. So they're preening, preening themselves is what Just they're doing. Just wearing it out. Yes. Um, you know, in Africa, ticks have wiped out entire species of animals. Wow. And in Africa, you have birds to, to help preen the animals. We don't have that here. Hmm. So I guess what I'm also saying, if ticks aren't killing our deer, there's a good possibility, possibility they mm-hmm. will be. So you know, one good winter with 10, 10 days below zero, you think might I, help? I, I think it would take more than that, actually. Okay. I do. Yeah, I don't know. I do. We get into climate change some other time, but. Yeah. Tick invasion. <laughs> exactly. Just thinking about it. Yeah. Freaks me if, out. Yeah. I'll, I'll show you some pictures sometimes. Yeah. And you guys will, yeah, Ugh. it'll blow your mind. We talked before we started here um, about taxidermy competitions mm-hmm. and and you said you know you're a humble person and you don't want to brag so um let me just mention a couple of things when people talk about taxidermy i have a vision in my head of one thing that i saw at your shop and that was a a beaver mm-hmm. that and it had a blue ribbon on it we'll just leave it at that okay um it looks like it's underwater mm-hmm. but it's not and it's just when you see that that's probably the first time i thought that is Art in your word. That's the real deal. I mean, it's just the way the the fur flows and the 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 plant material that you got up around it, and it's kind of like it's diving, mm-hmm. and it just it's everything but the water is there. It is just really the stand in my mind the standout piece of taxidermy that I've ever seen. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank it's you. Really, really sharp. So thank you. Um, last thing, you got anything else to go? No. Let's do the tail of the tape. Tail of okay. the tape is just a couple questions that we ask every guest we have, see how they answer. Okay. Um, and so we'll, we're going to lay them on you. Number one, what is your favorite tree stand snack? Oh, boy. Tree stand snack. Um, I love my M&M peanuts. There you go. <laughs> I like those myself. <laughs> I usually have a Red Bull because when I start to get a little groggy and I don't want to feel, yeah. you know, uh, don't want a problem. Uh, most used hunting app on your phone. Do you have any apps on your phone that you use? I do have the uh, the DeerCast. Okay. I, I tried yep. the DeerCast last year. What did you think of it? It was interesting. It was interesting. It's I the like first it. time I tried it, yeah. I liked it. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I'm a bit of a Drury fan. I'm, and I mean, I'm a homer. I'll, I'll, I yeah. admit it. Because they gave yeah. that thing away for free, too, and we were debating yeah. here how much they could oh, yeah. theoretically charge yeah. for that. We haven't seen that this it, year. It yeah. hasn't been. Interesting. I yeah. thought it was cool. You know, it, it put everything. I'm usually got an app for the weather and an mm-hmm. app for this and an app for that, and they just put it all together: the moon, mm-hmm. the weather, the wind, the barometric pressure was all in one place. Yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I would agree. Um, favorite state to hunt? Oh boy, um, have to be 
I'll give you two. Wyoming and Alaska. Okay. If that's okay. Would you hunt oh, out there? Oh, sure. Wyoming, uh, I've taken, uh, I, I've, I've killed a Boone and Crockett moose, Shiris moose in Wyoming. I've killed a elk in Wyoming. And let's see, Alaska, I killed a caribou. Nice. So, yeah. Alaska is cool. beautiful oh, yeah. place. Yeah. It really is. Um, what outdoor show do you watch regularly? Do you watch any shows? I do. Um, I really like Tom Miranda. African. Yeah. yeah. He does a lot of that. And a lot stuff. of bow hunting. I, I love bow hunting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that goes right into my next question. Yeah. Firearm, crossbow, or compound bow? My favorite? Yeah. Uh, compound. Yeah. Yeah. Do you use a crossbow? I don't. Not no, yet. Either. Not yet. Everybody I'm... says the same thing. <laughs> you know, we're we're uh, we're very pro. Get people into the sport. Sure. And so if that's what it takes, then come oh, on. absolutely. But I I haven't quite. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've hunted, shot one. I've hunted like, with everything. Ooh, that is nice. Yeah. That <laughs> does travel sure. a little further and a little faster. Yeah. yeah. So I do like it. The next question I'm going to change up for you. It's a, what is your bucket list hunt? I think you've done most. I was going to say. I'm going to ask you what is your bucket list animal to mount that you haven't mounted yet is there one that's like that's the one i want to do next mm, the one i want to mount next um wow that's a good question i well i'm, I'm gonna redo it a little bit i i've done i've done several but leopard because i i have a passion to to hunt them also yeah a leopard is on a whole other league of any other animal, in my personal opinion. So to get to hunt them and to mount them is just, that's it for me. you got one coming, don't you? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Awesome. <laughs> that is awesome, man. Steve, I, I, we, we greatly appreciate you coming Well, in thank today, you very this much. This has been, a, you know, um, it's just a topic that I don't think really gets talked about much. Right. People want to do it, but they don't bring somebody in and say, sure. hey, what the, what's the deal on this? So, yeah. again, Kinker uh, Taxidermy and Wildlife in mm -hmm. Greensburg, Indiana. Yes. Wildlife Art, I should say, uh, yep. in Greensburg, Indiana. Mm -hmm. uh, phone number? Which, yep, 812-662-6430. And you don't have to live in central Indiana no. to, to contact Steve, no. especially about if you're yeah. interested in an African hunt. Yeah. We, we've got some stuff that actually goes to North Pole. The safari. We got stuff that goes to Denver, and I've never, I've never even met the people before in my life. That's the that is flattering. It, it's so, got to be flattering yeah, it for is. somebody to know yeah. that you're going to do the work and they've never met you and, yeah. and seen your shop. So, yeah, fantastic. Well, we want to thank everybody for listening. I want to remind everybody that the American Hunting Podcast is brought to you by the American Hunting Lease Association. Everything you need to enjoy a safe, successful, affordable hunting lease. All in one place. We have now added a monthly insurance option. So if you want to buy hunting lease insurance up to this point you've been made to buy either march or august for the most part uh, regardless of when your lease starts i do want to i do want to clarify it's not a monthly policy for every month it's a it's a monthly start date Absolutely. on an annual policy so if you need something that starts in june you can buy june july august whatever you need to fit your lease schedule we have for you the, the days of, of working on the insurance providers schedule schedule are over if your lease starts in June, we've got a June 1st for you. If it starts in February or November, it doesn't matter. You want the most value that you can because we want to keep this affordable. Yep. We want more people hunting, more people leasing, and the way to do that is to make it easier for them to do that. So the American Hunting Lease Association is at ahuntinglease.org. Pay them a visit. Thank you. On behalf of Joel, Steve Kinker. Thank you very much. We appreciate you guys listening. We'll see you next time. See you. Thanks. 
The American Hunting Podcast is brought to you by the American Hunting Lease Association. Everything you need to enjoy a safe, successful, and affordable hunting lease all in one place. Resources like the Secret to Hunting Private Land ebook and the Front Porch Kit, both free to download, to time-tested, attorney-approved, customizable lease agreements, and of course, the most affordable hunting lease liability insurance policy you will find. Protect your landowner, yourself, and every member of your hunt club with the AHLA's Complete Risk Management Package. The American Hunting Lease Association, better coverage, better service, all at a better price. The American Hunting Podcast is brought to you by HuntStand.com and the HuntStand app. Build detailed maps of your hunting areas, view and share your hunting area maps with their revolutionary online mapping technology, and use advanced tools that let you examine and understand your hunting area. Then print your high-quality, fully customizable map on several types of materials. Download the HuntStand app or print a map. Visit HuntStand.com. Start mapping now.